Welcome to Strong Runner Chick Radio, a leading online community where our goal is to educate, empower, and connect female distance runners across the world. We believe in healthy running, fueling, and embracing our strength as female distance runners inside and out. Through interviews with top professional, collegiate, and master's level runners, leading dietitians, coaches, sports psychologists, and runners of all shapes and sizes, we hope to spread the message that there is no one-size-fits-all approach to distance running. Now, let's get to the show. Hello, Strong Runner Chicks. Uh, it's Elena here, and today we are honored to have Jordan Marie Brings Three White Horses Daniel joining us. Hello, Jordan. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Of course. And so a little background on Jordan. Jordan is a member of the Cool Wichasha Lakota and a citizen of the Lower Brule Sioux Tribe. She is an advocate for Indian country and all people. Jordan is the founder and organizer of Rising Hearts, an, an indigenous-led grassroots group designed to elevate awareness of indigenous issues and the intersectional intersectionality of all movements impacting brown, black, and indigenous communities. The group helps to uplift and center indigenous voices and efforts while building collaborative partnerships to accomplish equitable and just tre treatment of all people and the earth through targeted organizing and advocacy. Currently, Jordan is using her running platform to help raise awareness of missing and murdered indigenous relatives by dedicating the miles she runs to a missing or murdered indigenous person with the hashtag running for justice. And she is now intersecting this effort in prayers for Black Lives Matter and calling an end to police brutality. Recently, she climbed the highest peak in the lower 48, carrying 22 names in prayer for missing and murdered indigenous women for 22 miles. She is among many indigenous people working to elevate this crisis and to bring justice to the families and victims. Jordan has launched Mitakuye Oyasin, which means we are all related. And that is a COVID-19 relief program for indigenous communities to send masks to indigenous relatives and communities in order to help protect and keep the communities safe. She is sponsored by Ultra Team Elite and is an ambassador for Ultimate Direction. And you obviously have a lot going on, Jordan, and I wanted to um, just hear a little bit about what's been going on lately. I know you've had a couple of virtual race series that you've just hosted and just wanted to hear a little bit more about those to start. Yeah, um, definitely have been busy. <laughs> um, listening to you play all that back to me. Um, I'm just like, oh man, I'm busy. Uh, but yeah, uh, on top of all that too, I am also producing on a couple of films yeah. um, in light of all that and, and doing a lot of consultant work. And then I'm also, the day job is being a project manager with UCLA and the School of Medicine. Um, so yeah, there are definitely not enough hours in the day, but um, it is all hard work and meaningful, and, and that's what just keeps motivating me to keep doing this. And so um, more recently, um, since June, uh, we, I, I launched the, the Matakuya Yasin program to help provide masks and PPE to our communities. I partnered with Seeding Sovereignty to um, organize the Running for the Health of All Nations Virtual 5K. Um, which we raised a lot of funds to help support both of our program efforts, which was just absolutely incredible to see the support and allyship coming from non-native uh, athletes and participants. 
Um, and that's the whole purpose of Rising Hearts. And, and a lot of the work that I'm really trying to center in on is calling people in, calling allies in to, to be good allies, to be good relatives. Um, and so that way we can be supporting each other in these, in these movements and in our fights for justice and equality and equity. Yeah. Um, and so more recently, because that virtual 5K was such a success and I had a lot of fun, um, I was also able to collaborate with my friend Jen and her husband uh, that I have known from college. They are the founders and, and directors of Elite Feats, which is this event directing uh, platform that they've created. And so they were the ones that helped build the registration page and did all the mailing of the bibs and, and just having that support was just really incredible. So I was really excited to reach out to them again and organize the Indigenous People's Day virtual 5K, 10K and half marathon, which actually just concluded three days ago. Um, it was a weekend to a weekend about eight, nine days um, long. I, I wanted to give people enough time that they didn't have to feel pressured to run on Indigenous Peoples Day, but I also know people are busy, people are wearing many hats um, and doing a lot of things. So wanted to create this environment and platform to be just supportive and accommodating to, to their schedules too, while also centering in on just supporting the community and giving visibility to the hard work that is happening in our communities every single day, which is why um, I wanted multiple options for people to be able to participate in. So the 5k registration fees are all going to be donated towards Sovereign Bodies Institute, which is working to end gender-based violence um, and bring awareness and bring support to the epidemic of missing and murdered Indigenous relatives and supporting the families. Uh, just a lot of the work that they're doing is just so incredible and it, it, it's much needed. Um, and so I also really respect everyone that is working in that, that organization. And I know all the hours that they put into this and providing support is just needed. And I wanna be able to continue supporting that. And then the 10K registration fees are going towards Wings of America. Um, my friend Dustin Martin, who is the executive director, he is Dene of Navajo Nation. Um, I've known him for several years. Uh, he is an incredible friend and relative, and uh, he invited me to be um, a mentor and a chaperone at the 2019 Boston Marathon. And that's, you know, basically if it wasn't for him and having that opportunity to run the marathon and run in prayer and dedicate it to 26 missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls, you know, I don't know if I'd be on the same path that I am now. Um, so I definitely wanted to be able to give back to him. Um, and support his efforts in the work that he does. And a lot of the work that he does is all centered on our next generations of athletes and, and students and providing those programming to support them. And so I really wanted to, to give back in this way because um, yeah, if it wasn't for him asking me a month before the marathon to, yeah, it's short notice, but do you want to run the marathon and help raise money for us and, and all of that? I, I just don't know if I'd be in the same spot anymore. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm really grateful for that and wanted to get back to him. And then the half marathon registration fees goes towards Rising Hearts. So that way we can continue purchasing masks, creating events, keep uh, the Indigenous Wellness Through Movement series going, um, where we're going to be highlighting Indigenous Native you know, yoga instructors, session leaders, Pilates, whatever it is. Um, so we're gearing up for part two for all of Native American Heritage Month next month. Um, I think we're going to have about 15 session leaders, all ranging from yoga to powwow yoga. It's going to be inviting. Uh, I want everyone to be able to participate so they can learn from Indigenous, you know, wellness 
advocates and session leaders. So it's going to be really exciting and yeah, just keep providing um, COVID relief support. I know we just sent out 300 face shields to two friends of mine that are, are working in the Indian Health Service as well as providing the care to their community out in Baltimore, um, the Mayan Inter International League. Um, and also sent out about 300 masks to um, for their community. And so want to be able to keep doing that, want to keep being able to, to help with storytelling through through film um, and yeah, doing whatever it is possible uh, to help impact and influence change in this world. So that's what I've been up to more recently. <laughs> You're doing everything possible. And uh, I think that's amazing, just the different areas where you're extending your work and being mindful of all those organizations that have helped you um, throughout these past couple of months in the year as well. That's really special. And I'm sure that everybody is so grateful for your support, just as you are for theirs as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, among all that you have going on, you still are, are running. Um, I saw your, uh, did the running, your vote to the ballot. I kind of was like, man, I wish I did that. Um, <laughs> the ballot, the mailbox was just down the road. So it was just a short walk. But um, next, next, next election year, I'll have to go and run my, run my vote <laughs> to the mailbox. <laughs> but um, among that, so you are a runner. And I, I learned a little bit, you have a very deep history of running. And I know you have shared this some other podcasts but for those listening that aren't familiar with um what how you got your start in running uh how did your family influence your start in running yeah i i'm a fourth generation runner and my grandfather niall brings he introduced me to running he he took me on my first run when i was 10. my great-grandfather was a distance runner my grandfather niall was a middle distance runner and then my mom was a sprinter and so um i felt like with that first run, I, I was like part of this cool club within the family, but also kind of questioned their sanity of why do you <laughs> like running? This isn't fun. And, um, but I liked it because it connected me to him. It connected me to my, my mom in that way. And it was something that we bonded over and it was an opportunity to continue this family tradition and, and legacy as well as representing my community. And so over time, throughout middle school and high school. It was something that I, I enjoyed doing, but it wasn't until college, until um, I met an amazing coach, Mark Leck, at the University of Maine Black Bears D1 program. Um, he really helped me uh, face the truth and the dark secret that I had with my eating disorder and really supported me in, in getting healthy and focusing on myself and helping me to reframe my, my connection to with food and running and seeing it as fuel and energy and needing to put, you know, my health first. And, and when I am healthy, my running will be good. And uh, if I do the work, I'll still improve. Um, and so I, I, I owe him so much because once I got to a healthy weight, once I started having this different relationship with food, um, even though it was still a daily struggle and it still is now, um, even since then, since 2007, all the way to now, I, I, it's still there and it's present and I've had a few relapses, but I'm now going on almost three years without a relapse. And that's the longest stretch, which is absolutely great. Um, I, I'd be lying if I said it still isn't hard sometimes, but he, he helped me get healthy and, 
um, once that changed after a few months, I started having this new connection to running because I wasn't feeling tired. I wasn't overexerting myself and just feeling depleted. I felt alive and I felt like I was finally feeling the joy of running and reconnecting back to that, that I just fell in love with running so much more than just what it brought to me with my family. But I loved it even more of what it gave me when I went out the door and ran on those trails, when I ran on the track, when I was doing those workouts. Um, and so that's where running changed for me, where it wasn't just for family anymore. It wasn't for representation. It wasn't to lose weight, to be fast. It was about connecting to my surroundings and being able to connect back with myself and disconnect from school, disconnect from stress. And so that's where, where, where running changed. And it just opened up this whole new perspective and world. And it's something that I always look back on and appreciate his, his support and, and his guidance and all of the resources that he had there um, that I was able to, to benefit from, to, to be able to be healthy. And so I'm really happy that, you know, I'm on the road now that I am with running and being able to continue it and being able to continue running forward and now intersecting running with advocacy, which is a passion of mine. And I've known since I was in eighth grade that I wanted to be an advocate for my relatives and for my people and wanting to make a world a better place that now I can bring these conversations, bring these issues, bring these success stories, um, this, bring the resilience into this running platform um, so that people can hear it from me, that they can hear it from indigenous athletes, indigenous voices, that we can control our own narrative because the textbooks, other perceptions and stereotypes are out there that do not accurately reflect who we are. And so it's just another opportunity for us to control our own narrative and be our own storytellers. And so being able to advocate through running and have these conversations and create this much larger awareness is um, just something I'm so grateful for to be able to have and to continue creating and building. Yeah. Yes, that is so, so much that you shared. And I um, want to honor you for sharing um, about your eating disorder because um, I know that's not easy and um, it's a huge win to, um, for three years to not have a relapse, but I understand the struggles that you still deal with with that every day and then their struggles as well just through your um, advocacy work and um, what you're doing to bring light to all the um, various injustices that are going on in our world right now. And I think that, um, I, I think it's so special how you found running because as you said, that's just a way for you to connect with yourself through running, but still, you've still found an even, even greater meaning to, to running, to having that advocacy and going out to different races and raising awareness, which mm -hmm. is something that, um, obviously there's lots of different racing groups and people who run for different clubs who do similar work in that sense um, through using running as that platform but it's not something that um, many runners may find or don't see that meaning past that so I was curious um, kind of when that um, kind of clicked for you that to use running for this platform and also um, how, how you found your voice because I know something that like I personally have struggled with is just finding my voice and kind of letting go of that um, I'm not not um, comparison but you know those feelings of judgment from from yeah. others when you do your use your voice and kind of how you found that and um, yeah yeah, yeah um, I'll first I'll start with you know 
finding my voice. It's, I never thought, I never wanted to be an activist or a community organizer. I wanted to be behind the scenes, support the activists, support the organizers and volunteer for them, um, and just be out of the limelight in that sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what I was doing uh, when I moved to DC. That's that's how I started learning about pipelines and climate injustice, and started opening my my world up to these injustices and and learning what I can be doing to help support. And so I, I saw the best way for me to do that is just support those that are have been doing this work um, for so long and learning from them and and speaking out about it when I can and so finding my voice began when I decided to write a blog Um, even though it was through text um, it was still a way for me to kind of keep my face out of like the limelight but have my words there to help talk about these issues to tell personal stories to there are stories that I shared about my eating disorder so that others um, who resonate with my story, you know, know that they're not alone. And, um, you know, other stories to inspire people um, talking about policy and breaking the language down and talking about it, how it might impact our communities or how it's left out our communities and talking about all of the resilient things happening in our communities so that people can have a new perspective, a better perspective of who Native people are and what we're doing and where we come from. And so that's how I began with getting my voice out there. And then when Standing Rock happened and the, the fight to stop the Dakota Access Pipeline, I, you know, I, that was what motivated me to say enough is enough and I need to you know, be a good role model. I, I need to be a good relative to my communities and I can still volunteer and do all of that, but I need to step it up a notch. And so I was asked to organize an event to welcome the Standing Rock youth who are running over 2,000 miles from Cannonball, North Dakota to Washington, D.C. to oppose the pipeline and deliver a petition to President Barack Obama. And when I saw them, I, I just re- I, I saw this connection that like running can tell a story. Running can help give visibility to these issues that are happening. And so I organized the Run for Water rally for them. We ran from the Supreme Court to the Army Corps of Engineers, and we just protested in front of the, the Army Corps to try and have conversations with the officials that were walking in and out, um, trying to have the youth be centered in all of that to have these discussions because they were coming from that community. And so they are who inspired me to hold myself accountable and take action. And then sadly, um, a couple days later, my grandfather died, who is like my superhero, my role model. And he was also a huge advocate for our native youth and supporting them and especially our native athletes. He was a coach, he was a teacher, he was the tribal health director, and he just lived by example, um, you know, being what a good relative should be and look like. And so losing him, you know, I kind of almost questioned running and him knowing that that was the last thing that I did before he left this world. um, I, I connected that as me giving back and supporting our youth, our next generations, because that is something that he would do. And so when I was with grieving and figuring out what am I gonna do, like running doesn't feel right anymore. I kind of harnessed in on the fact that this is what he did. This is what he would want. And 
I just held on to that and seized that that feeling in that moment of, okay, I'm going to continue being an organizer, even though that was so stressful. And that was my first ever like attempt getting permits and getting police escorts and fundraising and doing all of that. Um, this is how I'm going to continue his legacy again, not just through running, but also supporting our youth. Um, and then the dog attacks happened where I saw some of the youth be bitten and attacked and experiencing this violence. And so that was when I threw in the towel and was like, I am not going to retweet or reshare anymore or just keep doing these simple actions to try and support. Like I need to do more. And so that's what motivated me to start organizing, what motivated me to start collaborating, what motivated me to start inserting myself on other platforms that lacked indigenous voices and visibility. And that's how Rising Hearts came to be, was in those moments of seeing the lack of representation of indigenous voices. Um, and so that's how I founded Rising Hearts and that's, that's the work that we continue doing. And um, that's how I found my voice. I started speaking at the rallies that I was organizing or I was asked to speak at some rallies. And as nervous as it was um, and how sick I felt <laughs> in my stomach and wanting to like literally throw up because having to speak in front of either 10 people or up to 5,000 that I've spoken in front of before. Um, it, it was so nerve wracking, but at the same time, when you are so passionate about something, um, even if you're not an expert in it, but it's something that you truly believe in and that you stand for, speaking from your heart and speaking to what this issue is, it comes a lot easier. And so now it's been, you know, four years, it's, it has gotten easier. I, I still get nervous. I'm still nervous to talk on podcasts, but because I know what I'm centered in and my purpose and what I believe in, it makes it that much easier to speak to these issues and be passionate um, and, and to stay motivated and to keep doing this work. So that is how I found my voice. But watching our youth use running to raise awareness about something, that's when I started seeing the connection um, that running is a platform. And I had participated in prayer runs before, in prayer vigils, organized some prayer vigils, um, and ran in events like the Boston Marathon in 2016, where I was raising funds for Running Strong for American Indian Youth, Billy Mills organization. Um, I saw that as a way to give visibility to indigenous, native organizations and causes. But in a competitive sense, I didn't see that connection yet. It was just, I'm running this race because it's about running fast and performing, but I'm also fundraising to support these efforts, which is great. Um, but it wasn't until last year, 2018, at the Boston Marathon again, that the lack of support and visibility for missing and murdered Indigenous women just got to the breaking point for me after having organized prayer vigils, after creating content, after donating, after trying to create panels to have these discussions and feeling like outside of Native circles and conversations, this wasn't getting the visibility and support it needed. And was just getting tired of seeing more missing flyers come out or hearing about families who found out that their loved one has been taken from them. And so um, it just got to the point where I felt like no matter what we all do as advocates and organizers, like this injustice is still continuing. And so I, I wanted my run at, at this marathon to not be about me anymore. And that's when I intentionally 
created this space to run in prayer for 26 missing and murdered indigenous women and girls. And I had their names and offered prayers and not just for them, but for their families, for justice, for their communities, for healing, and then tried to enjoy the remaining mile because it was the Boston Marathon. And, and I, I just love the atmosphere that Boston brings. And it was having a new purpose to my running. And that's where it just clicked that I can still enjoy running and I can still love it and be passionate about it, still work and run towards my goals. But I also feel, felt like I have a responsibility now to bring these conversations and issues onto this platform um, because running is an expression of art, I feel. And it's a way for me to have these conversations as I've seen so many other athletes bring um, you know, politics or issues into their sport and on their platform. And so it, that's how you know, running became a platform for advocacy for me it was that moment after I realized the impact that it had, um, being able to tell their stories and have their names be in print in runner's world or sports illustrated, um, having the visibility for this movement be elevated and bringing in more prayer runners and inspiring the next generations like Rosalie Fish, who, um, a month and a half later ran at her high school track meet and did the same thing. Um, and now she's like my little sister and now she's a sophomore in college and she's still continuing this and doing this work. And so it now just, it just has given my running new purpose to it and, and running with purpose, running for justice you know, those, those are my paths now. And I think achieving some of the aspirations that I have for my running are going to be that much more achievable. Um, but it's going to be kind of, um, I guess, feeling it all out and, and, and learning my boundaries, practicing self-care and taking care of myself while I'm doing all of this work. Um, is going to just be all learning to me, a learning curve, um, figuring out what works and what doesn't work. Um, but I feel like once I, I figure it out, I'll, I'll still be able to achieve the goals that I want. Yeah, definitely. I, um, I was thinking as you were sharing those words that um, right now, you know, during this time of COVID and we don't have all these races or you know, different things to look forward to, um, having that this greater meaning that you do have behind running right now sounds like it's been so motivating to you and has helped to fuel you during these times where for, uh, you know, many of us who are running or, you know, whatever sport or whatever you find joy in right now, it doesn't look the same as it has, but I feel like all of these injustices in our world that have really come to light this year have really helped to um, create that path of running as a platform. And I think and I know that moving forward, I hope that that will continue onward and that even more um, injustices and, and um, different areas in our world that we need to bring um, more, advo more ag advocacy to um, will um, align with running as well. And um, that just, uh, the passion in your voice is motivating to me as well right now where I'm kind of wondering what is this next step in, in, in um, my running journey or life look like right now and mm -hmm. having this greater fuel and um, knowing other people out there um, who are doing amazing work that I can get involved in is, is really special. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, 
I, you touched on this a tiny bit, but um, as somebody who is in the wellness world myself, I was curious to learn a little bit more um, with November being Native American Heritage Month. Uh, you mentioned that uh, through Rising Hearts, you're having the Indigenous Wellness Through Movement event. And um, I know the wellness world is, is filled with um, lots of different stereotypes and we don't have a very diverse group of people in that wellness sphere. So through, um, as you mentioned a little bit that you're having like yoga and different powwow groups, um, these are all different um, indigenous um, people who are leading all these groups. Is that correct? Yes, yes. Okay, and so throughout the month then, for all these events, um, anyone is welcome to join and participate? Yes, yes, definitely. That's that's a big reason why I wanted to create it is because um, in the first series that we had over Indigenous Peoples Day weekend, we had a yoga instructor, two yoga instructors, we had a Pilates instructor, we had a functional flow trainer. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the questions that I asked for the, the short kind of Q&A before the session starts is, what is decolonizing wellness? Um, mm -hmm. That is a term that is definitely overused now in the the wellness world um and i feel like it's been kind of taken out of context and kind mm -hmm. of thrown around a little bit too much um but i, I want to ask this question to indigenous people because i know the movement to decolonize ourselves to not be so reliant on you know modern materialistic things and reconnecting back with ourselves and back with nature and how that is also rooted in our own wellness and self-care and how we connect um, i want people to hear from native voices and wellness advocates um, what that means and so it's an opportunity for anyone to participate and support native wellness advocates and session leaders and, and what they do in their practices to be able to learn from them and get maybe a different perspective of what wellness means and what decolonizing wellness means, um, while also being able to donate if you're able to, to support them in their work or their um, program efforts that they're doing. And so um, this is an opportunity for everybody to sign up for. We had a great turnout for all four of those sessions and just really looking forward to expand um, and have folks participate in a yoga session, a Pilates session. I know one of my friends signed up to do a pre-run stretch kind of workout and routine. And then another one is doing a post-run stretch and ab routine. And so um, I have another friend who, um, she does powwow yoga. And so this is something that she does through Pendleton Yoga out in Montana. Uh, anyone is welcome to do these. She does these live like streams through Pendleton Yoga um, where it's natives and non-natives that are doing this, but it's taking powwow dancing of what we do at our powwows um, and making it really fun and giving everyone the opportunity to, to learn these dances, but through movement, through wellness. And it's just such a unique and fun way to um, get fit. Uh, learn a different kind of movement and then I have another friend who's gonna she's a fancy shawl dancer um, and so she has these specific routines to help stay in shape for fancy shawl dancing um, and I'm really excited for that one and so um, it's just going to be really amazing sessions that people can be part of they can donate if they can um, and part of the funds that were raised from the Indigenous Peoples Day virtual runs that Rising Hearts received now that we're starting to get donations and and 
taking some of the funds that were our four rising hearts through that run, I'm going to be able to pay them now. Mm -hmm. um, so that's really important to me is making sure that they are compensated, but also allowing people to, to feel generous if they are able to donate or not. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited. The sign up form for anybody um, is going to be out hopefully on Monday or Tuesday mm -hmm. and you can attend multiple events. It's all going to be through Zoom. You'll get your link from um, the, the info at risinghearts.org email um, and yeah, it's going to be really, really fun and I'm really excited for some of these new movement sessions. Yeah, that sounds wonderful and um, thank you for all the work you've done to organize this. I'm um, looking forward to joining one session or more, hopefully. Um, and it just sounds like such a joyful way to move our bodies as well. Um, outside of, for those listening, are mainly runners. So a different way to move your body outside of running, but also infuse a little bit more joy into our movement. Because after a while, you kind of lose that little joy or you just need a new spark um, of joy or somebody else to, to bring that into your life. So that's really, really cool. Yeah, I'm really excited. Yeah, no, you should be. <laughs> um, as you've spoken a lot on your own passions and how you've found um, what really brings you alive in, in life and helps you to keep moving each day, um, I wanted to ask you what advice you would give to others who are searching for their passion or finding something that they are um, looking to commit to in life when they're maybe feeling a little bit lost or not sure which direction to go in next. My advice would be, you know, don't be hard on yourself. Um, as I've had some conversations with other people, they always kind of feel like there's some sort of pressure to, to find something to fight for. Um, you know, for me, it just happened out of these moments and it presented itself and um, it helped ground me in, in finding what was important. And so my advice is just be patient and don't be too hard on yourself. You can always, you know, make a difference and an impact by volunteering and supporting those. Um, and if there is something that you're passionate about, but you're, you're hesitant because you don't want to put yourself out there or you're nervous to speak, um, you know, just start practicing even by yourself alone in your room to verbally say it out loud, to put it out there into the universe and developing that connection, um, not only through your voice, but through your mind and through your heart. Um, to that issue or to that topic that you're passionate about that you want to help impact and influence change and to give awareness to. Um, you can always take the steps of reaching out to those that are passionate about the same things you are so that you can learn from them. Um, that's, that's how I began. I started learning from aunties and elders and other community organizers and learning from them and following their lead and understanding what is appropriate and not appropriate. How do you um, phrase this in this respectable way or um, you know it's it's about it's all about learning and so my advice is to uh, be proactive and find out who is is doing this work that you can learn from and reach out and offer your support and volunteering um, and, and work your way up and eventually you might find yourself standing on a stage speaking in front of thousands of people because this is just something that you were so passionate about and you want to fight for and it's something that you are, are willing to do so that our next generations have a better future and so right now we are in this time where because of the injustices happening and the death of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Tony McDade and you know 
um, black trans bodies being murdered and indigenous women and our relatives going missing and are murdered and this just very visible injustice happening. Um, so many people are taking action and they are inspired and they are unlearning and relearning. They are being part of the rebuilding um, in the fight for intersectional and transformational change that we really need in this world. Um, and so I would say, be part of that. And you're gonna be, you're gonna make mistakes. You might say it wrong, but as long as you're open and you are okay with that, but willing to correct it and to be open to constructive criticism um, and feedback, then you know, you're gonna be part of this movement and involving yourself um, to help make the world a better place. And so that is all the work that we are seeing right now happening in so many of our communities. And I'm really passionate about the intersectional work that is happening because that's what white supremacy and systemic oppression and colonization has created is it has pinned us against each other. Um, it, is, has, it has siloed us within our own movements and, and that's okay. We're, we, for, that's how I began. I, I began as you know, fighting for only indigenous people for, for being fed up of this injustice. But as I've grown and have been learning and have been making more friends and being in different conversations and learning about these other injustices that are so similar to my own community that we're never going to have that change unless we collectively come together um, and have that understanding and that support and that respect for each other. And so um, I'm really passionate about intersectionality across our movements and, and it's, it's what we need for, for change to happen. Yeah, no, um, thank you for shedding light on that and, and sharing um, those words uh, because that is really important. And um, I think just, being open and honest and, and sharing how I love how you said just practice what you're passionate about um, on your own in your own space and um, you know gaining your voice and finding your voice in those ways or maybe it's just having a conversation with a friend that you're calling right now to encourage them to vote or talking mm -hmm. about something like that right now um, because those little ways really add up and lead to really great change and to that eventually maybe you will find yourself in that intersectional work and can get involved and and um, help, as you said, with the future generations because we really need that right now. Exactly. Um, I wanted to ask because I thought it was so special that you refer to the work you do as heart work um, because in my viewpoint, and this could be wrong, so correct me, but I see that as um, just a beautiful connection between like your mind, your body, and your spirit and the work that you're doing right now. Mm -hmm. um, and so, how does this connection help to ground you during emotionally heavy times and with all the work that you're doing is very emotionally draining work um, and help you to kind of connect then again, as you emphasize to your self care, because that can kind of get a little bit lost um, mm -hmm. or faded during, during that work as well. Yeah. Being um, an organizer, a change maker or an activist or however, you know, the person likes to be, I guess, referred to as, um, we face and experience a lot of burnout because we are spreading ourselves thin, because we are wearing many hats and taking on so many responsibilities because, you know, it feels urgent now and it is, it is urgent, but, um, we, we often neglect. And I would say I, I am doing that now because I am taking on so much. Um, it's, it's a very fine line to walk and understand, but also I have to keep reminding myself that, 
for you to be good for the movement and for this work, like you need to be in a good headspace. You need to be healthy. It's okay to say no. And I'm learning how to do it. It's really hard. Um, and it's, I'm still a work in progress with that, but, um, it's, it's self-care and self-love is desperately needed in these movements. Um, and we need to also be observant of, of our, of our friends and our families who are also in this work to, to be able to let them know that they might be taking on too much. And I really appreciate like my partner who, and my family and friends who will bring it to my attention that I am doing too much. Um, because it is super stressful and it's really emotional. It's really heavy. Um, but at the same time, that's like, that's what motivates me to keep doing this because it, it does feel urgent and it does feel like it needs to happen right now. And so as I call it heart work, that is a term that I've heard from other native women, um, from Judith LeBlanc of Native Organizers Alliance. I've heard it from um, a couple colleagues with Seating Sovereignty. I am also a fellow um, in the Return to the Heart Foundation Society Fellow. Um, and I know some of our, our voices and leaders in there also call this heart work. And it's just been something that I resonate and connect to so much because that is what motivates us to stay in this work and to keep fighting for justice and visibility. And so it's just, it's a new concept that encapsulates everything of what we do and why. And it's an incredible reminder that it's it's what we love doing it's it's what grounds us and roots us in the work that we do and why we continuously want to try and keep giving back and to keep doing more um and it, it to do this work it needs to come from the heart um if it if it's only coming from if it's coming from a different headspace or a different i don't know outlet or whatever it might not be supportive in the way you're hoping it could be for the work and the impact. So um, I'm, I'm really grateful to have learned this new word. And it's just something that I, I deeply connect to. And that's the perfect de definition and representation of what we do and why we do it. Yeah, I feel like it's kind of an affirmation almost because when you hear the word work, we hear the word work all the time during the day. And so having that we're having the word heart in front of that just helps to bring you, like you said, into that headspace and just remind you like, okay, this is what I'm passionate about. This is what I'm doing. So uh, that's a new word um, phrasing for me. So thank you for sharing a little bit more about that. Yeah. Um, I'll share one more word too. Yeah. Um, I, I think it comes down to when we always need to start rethinking how words have gotten lost in translation or context has been you know, taken out of context, um, or new definitions have come on to some of the words that I find really, I find greater meaning and appreciate. And you can always thank someone for what they do, but it means much more. And I really want to be able to let that person know that I appreciate them. And so I, I've been noticing and I've, I've gotten some feedback from a few people who said, I've never had someone say, I appreciate you in, an, in a work email or in, you know, in the service that I just helped you um, with. And so I think when you even use the word appreciate, 
um, the service that they're doing and the support that they're, they're providing you, I think just goes a long way in validating and valuing who they are and what they mean um, in your journey. Because my friend Jen, she, she replied back to me in an email saying, hey, this person just wrote, I appreciate you in, in this email and she's the event director of the Indigenous People's Day Virtual Run and runs a registration page. And she was like, this is the, the third person I'm seeing now that's starting to use, like, I appreciate you rather than a th saying thank you. Mm -hmm. um, she's like, you're the first person I heard say this verbally and write it in an email or in a text. And she's like, now I feel like I'm starting to see it everywhere. And so I'm, that makes me really happy because I feel like we're kind of centering it back in on that person's effort and contribution and just valuing what they do. Um, so that, that's another thing that people can try um, in saying uh, rather than, you can still say thank you, um, but uh, I find appreciate you and that person um, to be much more, more valuable and more purposeful. Oh, definitely. And I know you said that to me too. And I, I actually like looked back at your email because you said that to me and um, it does, it warms your heart in a different way. And um, currently actually for my job that I'm doing, I am messaging with people all day. And um, that's a new word that I might bring into what I'm sharing as well. Um, so thank you for that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, and um I wanted to ask you a question. Um, since you've mentioned a lot about future generations and what you want to bring um, to that, and obviously that work is going to be continuing on for a long time, probably long after we're gone. But if you had, and I know you probably have a vision for what um, you want to the future to look like um, in terms of running, becoming a more inclusive space and community for all as well as a problem for, ad, for advocacy, which we kind of talked about a little bit, but I was curious to hear um, kind of where you see that vision leading and maybe that's a really big dream and goal and it's gonna take a little bit to get there, but. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a big dream and goal and it's definitely gonna take some time and some patience, but um, for running, I mean, I would love to see, you know, inclusion in these running spaces. I know a lot of BIPOC athletes um, and voices don't necessarily feel comfortable sometimes in these spaces. And that starts with those organizations, those groups, the companies, the corporations um, that we need to start kind of dismantling those frameworks and rebuilding it in a way that is inviting and inclusive and supportive um, that is supporting those voices and those initiatives and those runners or those athletes and voices. And so I'm, I had the opportunity to start doing that work with Runners World, right? Um, they just announced yesterday the Runners World Alliance Ambassador Program. Um, I'm on there with three other amazing, uh, four other amazing voices. Um, and so we're gonna, we're in the big beginning stages of talking about one, what does this look like, especially coming from each of our own communities that we represent and we're trying to support, how do we intersect them? How do we create a world, especially within runner's world who everyone knows in the running community, um, how do we make it more diverse? How can we hold them accountable in, in terms of what they're committed or are committing to? Um, and how can we make sure that policies or guidelines or frameworks are supportive of indigenous, black, brown, Asian, two-spirit, LGBTQ, non-binary voices and athletes in those spaces. And that will be 
hopefully informing a much larger goal and conversation of what does our future look like? That is the inclusion and safety and protection and value of indigenous, black, brown, Asian, two-spirit, you know, immigrant, LGBTQ, non-binary people in these spaces so that we're in a new system, in a rebuild transformational system that is supportive of our communities, that is no longer harming us and traumatizing us or murdering us or silencing us. Um, that's, that's a much larger goal. And so I, I would love in the running community to just, for us to be able to feel comfortable to not have an Ahmaud Arbery happen ever again. Um, to be able to run and feel comfortable and to feel safe, whether that's developing technology um, that allows us to be able to hit a button or something if we are in danger. Um, I know there are some things that are out there kind of working towards that goal, um, but it's, it's creating a bigger and safer space and more inclusive space that can actually be there to support and offer and elevate and amplify um, those voices and what's going on. Yeah. And I saw that as well as reading the article and it made me so happy to see that that was something Runner's World was working on. But I also feel like that may not have happened without your voices and the voices of um, everybody else who was speaking up. So again, a testament to finding our voices and using them because I don't think that that would have happened without those of you who, who um, spoke up and shared a little bit more about um, where these gaps were in the running world. Yeah, and I would say that um, a lot of change now is coming from Allison Desier, um, who is a founder of Run for All Women, and she just created that, um, I think it's like the Running Diversity Coalition that just launched, um, that is basically going to be working in those spaces of diversity, equity, and inclusion in the running industry. So I would say everybody go follow that account, go follow Allison go follow the partners that are part of that coalition and just learn from them and, and lead by example. I'm really excited for what they're gonna be doing. Yeah, no, thank you for sharing that as well. I will um, be sure to link that in the show notes so um, others who aren't familiar can go and follow and, and get involved as well. Awesome. Uh, yeah, um, so I know we've had some um, pretty good conversation that was a little, um, a bit of a heavier conversation and so I wanted to have a fun question um, and ask you about um, what's been bringing you joy lately um, you know what's been something outside of all this work that you're doing that's been helping to fill you up a little bit and keep you going um, I would still say running and my cats <laughs> I know we're on zoom right now and earlier I saw your cat kind of like come <laughs> into the corner <laughs> that's usually my two cats Oreo and MJ um, yeah, they're, they're two little furball cuties, just <laughs> super lovable and very different personalities between the two. Um, but yeah, I think also what kind of gives me a new perspective and being able to kind of pull myself out is I love going for bike rides. My, my partner got me a new bike for my birthday back in February. And so now I'm like becoming addicted to, to biking, even though like I'm really busy and not able to get out as much. Um, it is just something, it's another outlet, um, a new way to one, focus on your health and wellness, but also just try something new and different. That's not always running. Yeah, no, um, I can relate to that. The biking is something I'm trying to get into a little bit more. How far have you rode on your bike so far? Um, it took me on a 
40 mile, I think. Yeah, like that. Uh, he, he used to live in San Francisco um, in like Mill Valley area. And he took me on one of his bike routes and was like going up Mount Tam and like above the clouds. And um, it was a hard bike ride, but it was really, yeah. really fun. Yeah, I was gonna say it had to have been super hilly. That's a yep. that, that's a, a long, uh, tough forty mile bike ride. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's um, that does sound like it's a very joyful movement. Just a different way outside of running um, that you have to bring yep. bring a little bit more joy. Um, and then our question that we ask all of our guests is, "What does being a strong runner chick mean to you?" Mm, that's a good one. <laughs> I would I say, you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say just having confidence in yourself and, you know, bringing it all back to self-care and being able to connect with yourself and disconnect from technology and your work or your screen or, or whatever it is to just be present with yourself, even if it's for just a few minutes, um, to, to help remind yourself of, of what's important and what you love and what you enjoy. And I think that's just kind of what I always go back to in reminding myself of what makes me a strong runner and what makes me motivated to keep getting out the door and to keep putting one foot in front of the other. I love that question. What makes me a strong runner? Because that's different for all of us and a yep. different, different reframe of that question. So thank you for a different yeah. mindset shift. <laughs> <laughs> um, and as we wrap up, I just want to ask, um, you've shared a lot about the work you do and um, the organizations that you um, are the founder of, but for those that um, want to connect and continue to support you, um, what is best, where is best for them to connect with you and then find your work, which I'll share as well, um, links to your website and all in the notes though, but just a quick way to connect with you. Yeah, people can connect to me through my website. The, the way I designed it is not only to give perspective of myself and how I got started and what motivates me and the work that I do, but it also is a platform to really cross promote the work that is happening in our communities. There's a communities page, um, there's a resources page, there is long lists of books you can read um, for all of that unlearning and relearning how to be a good relative and a good ally to these spaces and communities. Um, there's a community events calendar for webinars you can sign up for. Um, it's all still a work in progress. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to hopefully find an assistant uh, that can help me support and manage all of this, but um, that's definitely a resource that you can use. Um, and if you are coming from any community and the work that you're doing is having an impact and you, and you need help with visibility or support, you know, there's a contact form. You can contact me and either check the box of if you want to interview me or collaborate, organize on something, or if you want to be featured on the community page, um, you know, that is a resource for you and that's a way to get in touch with me. Um, the, the Rising Hearts section is there too of what Rising Hearts is up to. You can follow me on Instagram at native in underscore LA or at rising underscore hearts on Instagram. Um, and, you know, my platform is a way to engage with people and to talk about these things and to um, give visibility to these issues that are, are, are happening every single day. Um, and, and the way I see my own platform is to have these conversations. And so um, I really try my best to respond to everything 
um, especially even if I don't have the time to engage fully in conversations, I want to at least acknowledge and even quickly say something that I, I see you, I hear you, or I appreciate you that you, you took the time to respond um, because it's about building community and it's about um, continuing this work, this hard work. And so um, those are how you can get in touch with me and to be able to support not just me, but those that I'm also elevating on my platform as well. Uh, no, thank you, Jordan. And for those listening, uh, her website is a wonderful resource. I was on there for quite a while the other night looking and um, all the books that you have in webinars are, are great resources to go back to and have a, um, a space where you're, if you're looking to do more learning and unlearning, uh, a wonderful space for that. So thank you for investing the time into that, Jordan, because I know making a website is not easy at all. So hopefully nope. you can find a, um, an assistant for that. <laughs> yeah, I, me too. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, well, thank you, Jordan, for joining us on Strong Runner Chick Radio today. And for those listening, um, you can check out the show notes to learn more about Jordan and get involved and help support her. Um, but overall, um, I appreciate you, Jordan, and thank you for being here today. I appreciate you and Lila Palamayaya. Thank you very much for this opportunity to be a voice in this space. Um, and I, I, I really commend you being <laughs> running a podcast and, and giving elevation to these stories. So I'm really looking forward to hearing what you're going to be coming up with next and who the next voice is going to be. Thank you so, so much. Thanks for listening to the Strong Runner Chicks Radio. Do us a favor and leave a review in iTunes to help spread awareness and foster the SRC community. Additionally, make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Strong Run Chicks.